0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Maylari. So yesterday was day one of the MLB draft, with rounds one and two taking place. Today will be day two, which will be rounds three through ten. I'm going to give you a breakdown and a recap of what happened in yesterday's day one, and then give you a preview of today's day two. So let's start off with a recap of rounds one and two. Of the 39 picks selected yesterday, 18 in them played Division I baseball, and then the other 21 picks of the 39 played high school baseball. Division I baseball dominated the second round, though, with 25 of 31 picks being Division I baseball players in the second round. Teams are starting to look for more MLB-ready players in the earlier rounds and are looking for less projects to try to help their current roster win in the near future, and when you draft a high school player, you know he's about three years or four years down the line before he's going to make it up to the major leagues. If he does, if you draft a guy that's a senior in college, he might make it up to the major leagues within a year and a half, maybe two years if he's a senior. If he's a junior, could be within a, that two- to three-year window as well. So. There's been a slight shift, though, with draft strategy for some teams. Some teams are still drafting the younger guys when they know they can wait three to four years before this guy makes it up. That's definitely part of some teams' strategies, especially teams that are struggling right now that you know are rebuilding or smaller market teams. They typically want to wait and try to draft high school players that are on the younger side, and hopefully they make it up by the time they're 21 years old. If you draft a high school player that's a senior in high school, they're an 18-year-old. If you draft a high school senior in college, he could be 22. And maybe even 23 years old if they played that extra year of eligibility due to COVID ending the 2020 season early. So the strategy for teams can be different depending on the situation they're in. As for the Angels, they're in win-now mode just trying to win with Shohei Ohtani and Mike Trout. And that's why the last couple years guys have drafted in the first few rounds have made it up to the major leagues rather quickly. Because they don't want to let them develop in the minors as long as other teams do. Since they want to win now, they want to get guys up in the major league roster now to try to surround Trout and Ohtani with the most talent possible. The strategy used to always be for teams just draft best player available, and it still is for the most part best player available. You don't really draft for a position in the MLB draft. Even if you drafted three high school shortstops three years in a row, a lot can happen in the minor leagues with that shortstop you drafted. It could end up being a second baseman, could be a third base, could be a left fielder, center fielder, right fielder. You move guys around a ton in the minor leagues just to fit them into your lineup, whether it's from single A to the major leagues. Guys get switched around a lot you know, from different positions, especially in today's day, so... If you look at strategy, it's still drafting the best player available, but it's best player available with age sometimes taken into consideration, as I mentioned, with the Angels and some other teams. If you draft a high school player, they're four years down the line. But if you draft a guy that's a senior or junior in college, there's a slight shift now to drafting some of those guys since they can make it up a little bit earlier, obviously a year or two earlier than those high school seniors. Only five of the 32 picks in the first 32 picks of yesterday's draft were pitches with only one high school pitcher being selected in the first 32 picks, and that was Noba Meyer. Bryce Eldridge is also a pitcher as well, but he's a two way player. He was drafted at 16th. So now I'm going to give you a breakdown of the non surprises of the first day of the draft, and then I'll give you some surprises. Non surprises Paul Skeen's going first overall to Pittsburgh. They get their ace of the future. That's not really a surprise with him going first overall. I had him going first in my mock, and then I had Cruz going second, and that's ultimately what happened at the end of the day. Skeen's. Has a 102-mile-an-hour fastball he can get up to. A top-pitching prospect, probably the best-pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg. Became the fifth of the last six first overall picks in the MLB draft to play in the Cape Cod Baseball League, which is very impressive. Then, second overall, another non-surprise was Dylan Cruz going to Washington. The 2023 Golden Spikes Award winner that reached base in every single game this year for LSU, which is very impressive. Every single game he reached base safely in. Cruz and Skeens became the first pair of teammates to go first and second overall in the MLB draft ever. So that's obviously an accomplishment there on its own. So those are the two non-surprises, probably the biggest two non-surprises in my eyes. And then another one of the top 10 was Nobemire going 10th overall. Item going 7th overall in my mock draft to the Reds. He still goes top 10. That wasn't really a surprise to me. He has a lot of talent. And being as young as he is, only 18 years old, 6'5", 185 from Oregon, he still has a lot of of room to improve. Has a fastball that already gets 97, 98 miles an hour and only 18. So he's going to put on on even more muscle and he's the top right-handed pitching prospect in high school ball. So him going 10th overall was not really a big shock to me. Still young and there's definitely a lot of risk in taking a high school pitcher this early since guys are still developing even at 18 years old. But when you can land a guy with that much talent with a 10th overall pick and being as young as he is, why not? I mean, he was 10 and one in 31 games played Not sure how many stats he made this past year in high school. He played for Jesuit high in Oregon, but 10 and 1 record overall on the mound with 128 strikeouts to 19 walks and 63 innings pitched. Also hit very well as well. 373 batting average with five home runs, a 488 on base percentage, and a 720 slugging percentage. So very impressive numbers there for my overall. Wasn't a surprise to see him go top 10. Never some surprises. Florida's Wyatt Lankford fell to the fourth overall pick. I had him going third overall in my mock draft, anyways. Had him going third overall to the Detroit Tigers. They go in a different direction. That was a surprise in my eyes. That was a surprise. I thought Wyatt Langford was a luck for the third overall pick. He was getting buzzed to even go first overall. But then he ends up falling to fourth overall to the Texas Rangers. They got a steal there at fourth overall. Very good player. ton of raw power. He had 21 home runs this past year for Florida with a 373 batting average, 57 RBIs, a 784 slugging percentage, and also had 12 more walks and strikeouts on the year. 44 strikeouts to 56 walks, hit 47 home runs over the last two years. That's a steal there with the fourth overall pick. He did get some buzz with the first overall selection, but I feel like in recent drafts between the NBA and NHL, I mean, it wasn't really surprised with both of those guys being the first overall picks in Wambanyama and Badad. Obviously, Wambanyama going to the Spurs, and then Badad going to the Blackhawks. wasn't really surprised with those picks, but there was always buzz around both those drafts of who's going to go second overall. Second overall in the NHL draft, it was favored to be Adam Fantilli out of Michigan. He ends up going third overall in the draft, and he's supposed to go second in most mock drafts. And then with the NBA draft, Scoot Henderson was a heavy favorite on draft day in the NBA draft to go second overall. Brandon Miller was supposed to go third overall. He ends up going second overall, and then Scoot Henderson goes third. Then the same thing with this draft. If you look at it, White Lakeford had some buzz to go first overall right before the draft. Right before the draft, like five, six, seven hours before the draft began, he was still getting buzzed to be the first overall pick. He ends up going fourth. So that just shows there's a lot of smoke screens. And that's what some GMs rely on, just so teams don't take plays that they want. They it seem like like they want a different guy, like they really want, let's say, Wyatt Lankford with the first overall pick, and that people are just surprised that Skeens goes first. It's not really as big of a difference with the first overall pick, especially in the the MLB draft. You can't trade the first overall selection, so saying you want to take a different guy doesn't really make that much of a difference. Maybe the front office was torn on taking Skeens or Lankford. That could be a possibility, too. But for the second overall pick in the NBA draft, I think Charlotte's front office might have used... The whole storyline that they wanted to take Scoot Henderson with the second overall pick just as a smoke screen. Maybe for another team to want to trade up with that second overall pick that wanted Scoot Henderson that bad. Let's say if it was Portland, maybe they were worried. Portland, maybe they say, oh, we really want Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. Maybe they trade up with a second overall pick with would just to take that second pick. That's happened in some drafts. If you look at what happened in the Mitch Trubisky draft in the NFL draft, Chicago traded up from three to two. With San Francisco because they want to make sure nobody traded up for that second overall pick to try to take Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, that didn't work out for them, but that's a reality. There's a lot of smoke screens in drafts. So, White had going fourth overall, that was a surprise to me. I didn't think he was going to go first, but falling to four was a surprise. Kyle Taylor falling to 14th for the Red Sox, that's a surprise in my eyes. He was a consensus top 10 overall prospect, was a seventh overall prospect on a couple baseball websites online where experts were ranking their top 10 prospects, and he was in there top seven two times, and he ends up falling to 14th to the Red Sox. That's a great pickup for the Sox. As I said, consensus top 10 overall prospect. He's a catcher out of University of Virginia, hit 13 home runs this past year for UVA with a 407 batting average. In an eleven thirty OPS this past year, very impressive showing for Kyle Taylor. He's going to be a guy that the Red Sox are definitely looking forward to being up in the major leagues within the next few years. Considering a catcher is the easiest way to make it up to the major leagues, who knows? Maybe Kyle Taylor makes it up within a year or two. Considering being a catcher is the easiest way to make it up to the major leagues, since there is not that many good ones, especially offensively. And Kyle Taylor has proven that he can hit thirteen home runs this past year with a four hundred seven batting average. Another surprise was Hurston Waldrop. Falling to the 24th overall pick. One of the best pitching prospects in college baseball. If Paul Skeens wasn't in this draft and Chase Donner wasn't in this draft, who knows? He probably goes even higher, Waldrop. He probably goes even higher, but unfortunately ends up falling to 24th. And then Will Gasparino not getting drafted. That's a surprise in my eyes. Six foot six, 205-pumped, 18-year-old outfielder from Harvard, Westlake, California. A high school prospect with good speed, a strong arm, and power. Committed to Texas, maybe that's part of the reason he wasn't drafted. Maybe he's a hard commit, and teams knew we're not going to draft him because we know he's going to go to play at Texas no matter what. That's maybe part of it. But this is a guy with a lot of talent and has shown a lot of positive ability in high school baseball. I'm shocked he wasn't drafted. Shocked. So now for my day one winner. I kind of broke it down by day one winners, honestly. I have a good amount of teams that listed. Four teams listed I want to talk about. Starting off with the Miami Marlins. They drafted Nova Meyer and Thomas White. Two of the best high school prospects in the draft with the 10th and 35th overall picks. They get Meyer as a great pick with the 10th overall selection, a high school pitcher that can throw 94 to 98 miles an hour, a future ace in my eyes. And then they get White from Phillips Academy in Massachusetts, a hard-throwing left-handed pitcher that has a very strong future as well. They get two of the top high school pitching prospects in this year's draft with the 10th and 35th overall picks. Sometimes the top high school overall pitcher might go 5th. Michael even hide that depending on the year. A lot of the times you see a high school shortstop go between the top high school pitching prospect. But regardless, getting two of the top high school pitching prospects with the 10th and 35th overall picks is very impressive. And even getting a high school pitching prospect that's a lefty and Thomas White, that's huge. Now moving on to my next day one winner, the Atlanta Braves. They took three very good pitches in the first two rounds and three pitches that are going to be guys that are going to build around in the future. The Braves are a team that have been great at drafting and building that farm system and getting stars up from the minor leagues to the major leagues and developing them in the perfect time frame. Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris II, even Dansby Swanson when he came up. That's just a few guys to name there, but they've been great at developing talent. And they took Hurston Waldrop with the 24th overall pick. Somehow he fell there. Then they got Drew Hackenberg at 59th overall, a pitcher from Virginia Tech that gets up to 95 miles an hour with his fastball. And then they took Cade Keeler a pitcher out of Campbell with a compensation pick who throws 93 to 95 miles an hour for fastball, gets up to 98, was is where he tops out at, and he'll be in the rotation there within a few years with Waldrop. So they got two pitches that are going to be in the rotation for them within the next few years. And Waldrop, Keegler, and then Hackenberg. Three guys that are going to be up in the major leagues within the next couple years in my eyes. Maybe two to two and a half years, all three of those guys will be up in the major leagues which is huge for that Braves farm system, and that's obviously going to make their rotation even better. Now moving on to another team that was a winner, the Colorado Rockies. And I'm happy to say that they deserve to turn things around and figure out that franchise and obviously build a better farm system. They picked up two very good pitches with their top two picks, including Chase Dolander out of Tennessee with the ninth overall selection, and then they took Sean Sullivan out of Wake Forest in the second round. Sullivan was among the leaders in Division I baseball in strikeout rate at 14.3 strikeouts per nine innings, which was second best in all college baseball. He was also fourth best in whip with a .92 whip and also held his opponents to a 175 batting average, which was the fifth best in all of Division I baseball. His fastball sits 88 to 92 and can get up to 95. Two very good picks there in Doe, Lander and Sullivan there for the Rockies. Next up, Kansas City Royals. They took Blake Mitchell out of Sinton High School in Texas with the eighth overall pick. A catcher that can also pitch as well, can get up to 97 miles an hour. That was a surprise that he was taken before Kyle Tail. So add that to my surprise list, that Blake Mitchell was taken before Kyle Taylor. But Mitchell goes eighth overall to Kansas City, and as I said, is a catcher that can also pitch and get up to 97 miles an hour. For how he is offensively at the plate, he does get his swings and misses here and there. When he's at the dish, does swing and miss a good amount, but he does show promising power as well at the same time. And then another good pickup by the Kansas City Royals was Blake Wolters, who they took in the second round of the 44th overall pick. Impressive fastball about 94 to 96 miles an hour. can get up to 99 as well on the radar gun. Throws strikes, has a developing slider as well, and definitely will be a prospect for them that they're going to build around in the future. That's a great pickup there by Kansas City. Another team, just like the Rockies, small market team that's just trying to figure things out and compete. And this is a high school prospect here. A high school prospect. They got with the 44th overall pick that they're definitely going to build around for years to come. He's probably about four years away from the major leagues, but showing his fastball can already get to 99 miles an hour and he's already getting stronger and probably better over the last couple of years. He's probably going to get to 100 on the gun very soon. So impressive pickup there by Kansas City. As for some steals on day one, I'll give three. Gino Groover going 48th overall in the second round to the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's a huge pickup by Arizona. He's a future star at NC State, a guy that I saw play against BC, and he caught my eye with the electricity and the fire he brought to the game of baseball. He was electric on the diamond, electric, and had a great year for NC State. A 332 batting average, plays third base, can also play first base as well, Played first base a couple of years in college baseball, then played third, maybe even could transition to a corner outfielder. But he hit 332 this past year for NC State with a 976 OPS, 13 home runs, and 50 runs batted in. He's a future star and one of my favorite picks in this year's draft. Next up, Jake Geloff, who went 60th overall to the Dodgers, was the 35th overall prospect in this year's draft. 23 home runs this past year with an 11.37 OPS, a 7.10 slugging percentage, and 90 runs batted in for UVA. Very impressive pickup by the Dodgers. They somehow always find a way to pick up talent in the draft. A guy that should have probably gone in the first round maybe, maybe late first, early second. They get him in the later part of the second round with the 60th overall pick. Gelof going 60th overall to the Dodgers. That's a great pickup by them. They get a power guy that they can build around in the future to the heart of their order. Hopefully, one day being in their four through six header in the next maybe two years to come. Next up, Walker Martin, a high school shortstop from Eaton, Colorado, going 52nd overall to the San Francisco Giants. He was a 30th overall prospect. I had him going in the first round on the in the earlier part. I believe I had him going in the first half of the first round of my mock draft. He ends up going 52nd overall. And this is a guy that shows power in high school, 20 home runs as a senior with 75 runs batted in, a 633 batting average, four triples, 1632 as slugging percentage, and 2355 as an OPS. That's a guy that shows a lot of promise offensively. Unreal pickup there by San Francisco with a 52nd overall pick. So now that brings me to who's available going into day two. And day two is today with rounds three through 10. And it'll be streamed on MLB.com. So if anyone's interested in watching, go check it out on MLB.com. But now I'm going to give you my best plays available heading into day two. Starting off with an outfielder from Virginia Tech, Jack Hurley. Should be an early pick in today's round three. Cole Shanewitter, a six-foot-three, 190-pound right-handed prospect. A pitcher from San Marcos High School, California. 92-94 to mile-off fastball, the 43rd-ranked prospect. He should be drafted rather early today. A guy that I had going in my first round mock. Steven Echevarria, another guy going in my first round muck. A six foot one, seventeen year old right handed pitcher from Milburn High School in New Jersey. Fastball stays around ninety three to ninety four miles an hour. Can hit ninety eight. Has a good two seamer as well that can get up to ninety two. He should be drafted early in today's round three. And that's if he's going to go and sign with the team. Maybe for Shane Wetter and Echevarria coming out of high school. Maybe teams are worried about drafting those two guys because they think they're hard college commits and no matter where they're drafted, they're going to go end up playing college baseball no matter where they're drafted if they don't go in the first round. So it might not be worth taking some of those guys if they're worried about them not signing. And that could be the same thing with Travis Sikora. A six 6'6", 19-year-old six, right-handed pitching prospect from Round Rock High School in Texas. A 95 to 98 mile an hour fastball that can get up to 101 miles an hour. That could be the same situation there where they're worried about Sycoris signing, just like Echevarria and Chainwitter. And here's another one, Cooper Pratt, the 45th-ranked prospect from Magnolia Heights High School in Mississippi, is still available. Great arm, elite hit for contact as well, posted a 10-0 record on the mound with a .14 ERA, surrendering just 18 hits in eight walks and 49 innings pitched with 66 strikeouts in those 49 innings. Also adding in a 469 batting average, with four home runs, 50 runs batted in, and 38 stone bases. He has a complete package as a prospect. That's what I'm w- wondering. Is he going to be just a pitcher at the next level, or is he going to try to hit as well? We'll see what happens, obviously. But he's a great prospect and is still available heading into day two here. Spencer Ivins, the 110th prospect, a 5'11, 185 pound outfielder from Missouri State, he's still available. He was a Missouri Valley Conference's top player, was the MVP of that conference this year. And he hit 341 with 14 home runs and 45 runs better than. He's still available. Travis Honeyman, an outfielder from BC. Could have been a top two round pick out of BC, but with injuries this past year as a junior, it ended the season early and probably hurt his draft stock. Pretty good player, though, all around. And I did have him going, I think, around mid to late second, around the third round as well, in my predictions from yesterday. Or on Saturday, actually. I recorded, you know, that on Saturday before the draft yesterday. So, Honeyman's another guy that could be a potential steal. And then Joe Vetrano, who's probably going to go around the fourth and fifth rounds, I'd imagine. I'd imagine maybe mid-fourth to mid-fifth. A first baseman from BC that showed a lot of power this past year for BC. Was a big part of the offense. 22 home runs, 64 runs batted in. A 1078 OPS with a 315 batting average. He also was a pitcher heading into BC, but really just stayed as a first baseman primarily over the last couple seasons. He tore up the college baseball tournament and definitely got eyes and more scouts on him with how well he performed in that Tuscaloosa regional. So he'll get drafted at some point today as well. So those are my best plays available heading into today's day two of the draft. I'll probably record another episode after day two. So after today, I'll give a recap of what happened in day two of the draft. And then I'll give you a preview heading into tomorrow's day three with the best plays available and a quick recap of what happened and who was selected in day two. Anyways, that will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.